Welcome to episode 23 of the Stick to Hockey podcast. Jason Martinez alongside Russ Cohen from Hockey Prospects Radio. Russ, how you doing? Good, Jason. How are you? Look at you coming in the studio now. You're a regular. Yeah, it's nice. I like it. Yeah, well, it's a nice I'm like Amby Davis. Yeah. <laughs> uh, lot to get into. It is playoff time. Uh, follow Russ on Twitter at Sportsology. How do you spell it? S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. All right. Follow Russ there. Follow me at Jason Merton. Follow the podcast at Stick to Hockey Pod on Twitter. You can interact there as well. Uh, follow us on iTunes. Subscribe. Leave us a rating and review. I don't know why that's important, but everybody tells me it is. Uh, but nonetheless, too much to get into today, and we'll talk to Brian Boucher uh, coming up in just a few moments from the NHL and NBC former NHL netminder. But let's get right to it uh, because, Russ, there's so much going on right now. Uh, the playoffs are getting ready to start, and we're going to get into that momentarily. But i got to go through some of the uh, the leftovers from the teams that are not in the playoffs. And let's start with Ryan O'Reilly. I heard the uh, press conference he had in Buffalo uh, upon exiting for the summer and at least heading over to the Worlds. But um, some of the things he had to say were a little bit disturbing. Yeah, Ryan O'Reilly has had a really tough year on the ice and off the ice. And I have a feeling Ryan O'Reilly is going to get traded. I really do. Really, I, I think... He is a guy that's sort of a leftover from the last regime. I think Housley's probably done all he can to sort of, you know, corral him. I don't think it's working. He's not playing up to, you know, his standards or at least when they sign that deal with him. So I, I have a feeling this is all, like, going to get him out of town. Precursor. Precursor of getting him out of town. Now, he does have a big contract, but it's not huge. So and They I, can retain some money. And they the can money. retain some yeah. money. And, and look— if he gets things together, he's a really good defensive guy, and he can pop in 20 goals. But at the end of the day, I think he's bad for that locker room, and I think they're going to move him as a result. Wow. He's had a tumultuous career, to say the least. Um, looking around the league, too, as you kind of put the wrap on a few teams like Buffalo, just underperforming again. Yeah. And you got to wonder how all this is affecting Jack Eichel in these very important years of his NHL career, all this losing. I don't think it affects him at all. No. He he actually wants to win to the degree where you you can't hang with Jack Eichel if you don't want to win, and he'll eventually wear you out. You know what I mean? So I think everybody that's there is going to want to, to win. Mm-hmm. Evan Rodriguez was a great guy to call up. I mean, he played with him at BU. I think he's. I've started to see some good things out of him this year. Casey Middlestat wants to win. He's going to stick around next year. That's another top guy. Yeah. So I think if they get a few defensemen, and, and again, Rasmus Ristolainen might be getting moved, too, mm-hmm. because they can't seem to get through to him. But at the end of the day, I've got to put pressure on Phil Housley and say, you know what? You've got to get through to him. If I'm if I'm Jason Botterill, that's what i got to do because guys like Ristolainen don't grow on trees. And if you trade him, you're not getting re- full value back because even if you get some other defenseman, you're not getting a defenseman that could log the kind of minutes he logs as a, as a number one guy. And that's the problem is – Unless they get the overall pick and get Rasmus Dahlin, which is still a long shot, yeah. but they have good odds. They yeah. do. I think it's like 18.5%, something like that for them. That's the only way. But, again, that's that's a long shot. You can't base your whole offseason plan on that. Can't bank on And the other part of no. that, look at last year's lottery. You know, New Jersey moves up to number one and the Flyers move up to number two. Right. Case in point, you know, yep. teams making big moves. Uh, Carey Price will kick in his eight-year deal. Next year with the Montreal Canadiens, uh, Mark Bergevin got the vote of confidence. He's the guy for the job uh, moving forward. But Carey Price is probably the biggest determining factor of success for that team. Now, they got they have to add pieces. Maybe Tavares is a piece that they try and get, obviously. But Carey Price going into this deal, eight years, $10 million, is he ever going to return to the the dominant goaltender, the best goaltender in the world that he was for, you know, three or four years. I don't 
know if he'll ever return to that, but I think he'll return to being like a top five guy. And I think in this era, if you could do that, you're still worth the money. Now, I do think he's going to be one of the last guys that gets this kind of money. I do see a lot be of cautionary tale. Yeah, I, I see a lot of goalies getting a lot less money, less years, all those kinds of things because, again. Every game, guys are just crashing the net. Mm. Goalies are getting hurt all the time. Concussions a problem for the goalie. Concussions. I mean, go ask Mark Andre Fleury how many concussions he's had this year. And Murray as well. And Murray and Gibson. John Gibson just came back. I mean, so I think they're going to start to get less money. But I think Price can do it. But again, Mark Bergevin's got to really get aggressive. He he was not aggressive this offseason. It ate him up. They had guys that underperformed. They. They will go after John Tavares, but I don't think John Tavares wants any part of Montreal. I really don't. I doubt he would want that kind of pressure and not a great team. I mean, yes, they have Shea Weber. They could definitely rehabilitate that team. Galchenyuk, if they could find the right thing for him, he could still be a hell of a player. Yeah, Yeah, the right role because, I mean, when he's right, you see he could score 30 goals. So, And, again, I don't know what they're going to do with Max Pacioretty. That's the biggest thing. If they trade him, they better get a big package because if not – then they're really going to be in even worse shape. So this is a big off season for them. And they look, they haven't won a, in a cup since 1993. It's a long yeah. time, man. Uh, you trade Pacioretty, you get a 2C, you sign Tavares, and you get some D help some way. Yeah, it sounds that, nice, but that's, that's, that's a great, that's the dream world. Yeah, that's the dream world for sure. <laughs> uh, the Chicago Blackhawks, not in the playoffs. They got swept last year in the first round by the eventual uh, Western Conference champion, Predators. Uh, this year, they don't make the playoffs. I mean, you're looking at players, Taves, Kane, Duncan Keith, Seabrook, some guys that have won a lot of hockey games there. Joel Quenville coming back, one of the, he would have been unemployed for as long as he wanted to be <laughs> right. had he been let go. That being said, what is the future for this team? How do they retool the Panarin trades haunted them? Well, they and unfortunately they had to do that because of cap reasons. So they thought that that you know they got a decent return. But Brandon Saad was never a speed guy, and this league I think is overtaking him now in the kind of speed that you have to keep up pace. And I think because of that, his numbers have gone down. And, and I think that's the reason they got rid of Andrew Ladd. And now Saad's younger, but I think it's, it's he's going down that same route. Uh, you see a similar problem with them with Edmonton? Uh, the lack of speed outside of a couple of guys? Except they draft a lot better. Yeah. Alex DeBrinkett is actually my Lady Bing vote. He's my number one guy. He only had six PIMS this year. Wow. And he had like 28 goals. How many teams passed on him, but not Chicago? Yeah. So Chicago does draft well. I mean... Schmaltz is going to Nick Schmaltz will be a great player this year. They have guys to fill roles. John Hayden, I think, is a really good player, college mm-hmm. player. If they can get a big defenseman, which might mean moving Corey Crawford, I think that's the way they should go. I think they should try and get somebody to either buy Corey Crawford's contract and you give up your first round pick for it, like a Vegas, or you get somebody to just take him in the trade and you take back some salary with somebody else. Do he that. wasn't the issue when he was healthy, though. He's not the issue, but yeah. but he could get you the You're return. not moving Taves, and you're not moving Kane, mm-hmm. and Seabrook's unmovable. So Keith, I don't think they want to move yet either. He he may not be the dominant defenseman that he once was, but I think he's still really good. So if you could get another top four defenseman, like a number four, I think that's what they should try and do, and then they figure out what, who's going to be in net. I think that's the least of their worries because it doesn't matter who's in net if their defense is as awful as it was this year. Well, Islanders are a case in point of that. <laughs> yeah. uh, you can score all the goals you want, but if you can't keep out more than you, you score, you're going to lose games. So let's go right to the Islanders. Uh, Garth Snow, maybe one of the uh, more perplexing things in hockey is his tenure. Right. He's been there now, what, 12 or 14 years. Yeah, 12 sounds about right. And he's missed the playoffs, I think, eight or nine years. 
and hasn't gotten past the first round. How is yeah. he still employed? <laughs> well, he's still employed because he saves them money. And mm. and this is the part that always gets overlooked by the fans and everybody else. The Islanders make money. Barclays is paying them. Now they're going to get their new arena, but for the meantime, they'll get a little bit of an infusion from Nassau Coliseum because they'll actually sell out those games where they don't ever sell out Barclays. So those games at the Coliseum, they'll sell out. So they, they're going to keep the salary structure yeah. low, which is what they do. I mean, they, they signed Jason Chimera to a horrible contract, but then they, if you notice, they dumped him out at the trading deadline. That was like their biggest move, but it saved them money. Yeah. At the end of the day, John Ledecky could, could you know, he could apologize to fans i'm a former long island native for 20 something years that doesn't cut it yeah you know like fans don't want to hear that fans want to see a team on the horizon that's winning fans don't want to hear john Tavares saying yeah i might look elsewhere you know i want to stay here and but wasting I might. his prime yeah and wasting yeah. his prime and and now the building structure is even they're focused on belmont but now they're talking about another building out in ronkonkoma out mm. in suffolk seventeen thousand five hundred seats what if that one gets green-lighted before the, the Belmont, Belmont one. Then yeah. what happens? So <laughs> there's always this hanging over the Islanders. And so right now, Garth is safe. I, Doug Waite is one where, you know, yesterday Ledecky did not take any questions, which I felt was really horrible. Fans want to hear from you. No questions. Yeah. And the idea is, at the end of the day, they have to look at this situation and say, let's talk to Doug Waite. Let's see if he's happy because he said, Ledecky said they're going to evaluate everything. That's the, you know, the catchphrase of the day for yesterday. And that keeps everybody their jobs. But I don't know if Doug Waite's happy in that position. That's the whole thing. I think it's possible that he could just leave. Like, you know, and then Hmm. we'll see if that happens or not. That's just a gut feeling. I don't have any insight info on that. Give me your gut feeling on Tavares. Oh, he's gone. He's as good as gone, right? He's as good as gone. I I feel the exact same way. Why would he stay? The, the, The organization hasn't shown him any reason why he should no. stay. I mean, other than fixing up the practice rink and getting a chef there and, and yeah. putting in a big renovation. Trade his rights to a team that has a first chance to sign him. That's that's the best they're going to do with this. Point. I don't know if they'll do that, though, because really? they may play the long game on this in hopes that the market's not as good as he thinks it's going to be. Well, like, it's going to be good. I yeah. know. I know <laughs> it's going to be good. Yeah. But ah, they should trade his rights, and they should try and get at least a first-round pick for it. And if they're smart, they trade it to someone like the Rangers. And even if the Rangers aren't the team that signs them, get one of their first-round picks. That would be mm-hmm. a way of at least getting something because at the end of the day, Tavares said he might take two months to make a decision. They can't afford to wait two months, the Islanders. They're, yeah. in, they're in flux now. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Well, you mentioned uh, Doug Waite, uh, Elaine Vigneault, the head coach of the yeah. well, former head coach of the New York Rangers. Yes, uh, won't be seeing him no more. He's now looking for a job. And he'll find one. But uh, who's the next bench boss of the New York Rangers? Well, I'm sure Ranger fans are hoping it's not Lindy Ruff. I mean, he was he was supposed to be the defensive coach. Their defense was awful. Now they did have a downgrade in personnel, but not enough to where I felt it was just it was bad all year. It was bad from the start when Shattenkirk was healthy. So. Mm. I think Jim Montgomery would be the guy, the guy from University of Denver. I mean, yep. you go look at Dave Haxtell. college coach. For yep. all the bitching at Dave Haxtell, he's made the playoffs two out of three years. And you know what? Jim Montgomery is not an old guy. I think he's like 48 years old. He's he's won a couple championships. He's played in the league. He's got a great reputation. He could work with the youngsters. I think that's what they need. I think Vigneault had a chance of coming back because his salary structure, look, $4.25 million. I mean, James Dolan has a lot of money, but it's not like he really wants to eat that. But I think that game against the Flyers, I saw what they set up for line combinations. Mm-hmm. They had Buchnevich and, and Nemestikov on the fourth line with Matt Bolesky. Yeah. Like, I just laughed when I saw that. It you was ridiculous. Yeah. And, and they brought up Steven Fogarty, who's really like a defensive sort of kind of tough 
uh, winger, and they put him on the third line, and I'm like, oh, they're just they're just making a mess of this game. They made a mess of it. Post game, Lundqvist said he had addressed the team. He actually said that in the locker room. When he said that, I knew that Vigneault was gone. Yeah. I didn't even go to Vigneault's press conference because apparently it was four minutes of, well, this is why I expect to be back. And people were tweeting me, and I was like, just because he expects to be back, it doesn't mean the Rangers want him back. And they didn't. They only waited a few hours, and they fired him. This, you know, Unfortunately, this, this coaching situation could go to Lindy Ruff because he's not fired. They got rid of every coach but him. Jeff Gordon says he's talking to him. That was a day ago. We haven't heard anything. He's not going to hang around to be an assistant under a new regime, is he? No, but he still has a job. And that, from as many days that passed that he still has a job in that organization, Ranger fans should worry because the game has passed him by, I think, as a head coach. Yeah, Lindy at home and rough on the road. (laughs) Uh, We'll see how that plays out. Um, No other coaches have been clipped just yet. No, Bill Peters is another one to watch. Yeah. It was a weird season, though. No coaches fired during the season. In a league that notoriously fires coaches at the drop of a dime. Yeah. No, it was uh, nobody knew that was coming. Yeah. I mean, and but again, it wasn't it wasn't like the NFL where like on that Monday all the Black coaches get, yeah, Black yeah. Monday everybody goes. It wasn't like that either. This is a really weird time we're in because of the the cap and because teams are obviously eyeing guys that are still in the playoffs. I think that's all the all of a sudden have held things up. Has the NHL become a patient league? Dare I say? No. No, no because if the right guys were out there, they would yeah. still hire them in, in the drop of a hat. And McClellan. Just, McClellan's going to get, I mean, he he will get probably a month or two into next season, and if they're not the Edmonton Oilers that you expect them to be, he'll be fired. Of the prior season, not this past season. Right, but they have so much work to do. I I mean, Chiarelli, everybody thought he was going to get fired. He didn't. Not yet, anyhow. So that's a team that really needs to do something in free agency. They... They don't have enough young talent to come up and help them. They really don't. Everything you see that's up other than Kaylor Yamamoto is up. Yeah. And maybe Yamamoto will stick next year. Maybe he will because he did look good. Remember he came in Philly and looked yeah. good in that game too. Uh, I don't know. Other than that, Edmonton's, you know, they're a hot mess. And Luchik is just getting slower every year. Yeah, yeah he's not going to gain any speed. No. Uh, never had a ton of it to begin with. All right, let's talk about the playoffs real quick. Okay. Um, give me your chalk favorite out of the Western Conference and a, and a sleeper team to look at. Okay. So the team that I still think, I picked them preseason. I'm a stubborn guy. I'm going to stick with them. I think the Ducks will come out of the West. Wow. Uh, I interesting think year for them, too. It's yeah. an interesting year. I think they were one of those teams like the Kings of years ago that just had to get in the playoffs, had to get healthy. They still have a good core. I, I like Raquel. Good goaltending. Good goaltending. I mean, look, that's why they got Miller, right? Yeah. And Gibson and Miller is the best tandem left in the playoffs. Yeah. There's Miller nobody... was really good this year. Yeah, he was. And, and I think he was really good because he finally had a defense in front of him. Mm-hmm. Look, the, the funny thing about Miller is he's a skinny guy, and if you jam the net, eventually you will wear him down in the game. Yeah. You can't get to the net with that defense. Yeah, they're big. And, and, and so Ryan Miller is on the right team. I think that's the team that really could win the Cup. I'm not going to pick them to win the Cup because in the East I did pick Pittsburgh to, to make it all the way through, and I'm sticking with that. Uh, the team to watch in the West, I guess, is San Jose. I know we say it all the time, mm. but... Martin Jones is still a top goalie who probably doesn't get much credit. I'm sure the Kings He's overshadowed a bit. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you know the Kings didn't like that they had to deal him that time, but he he gets overshadowed. I I feel like I don't know. Are we going to see Joe Thornton come back? Is it going to be like Willis Reed? It could be. Yeah. You know, nobody's talking about Joe Thornton, so maybe you know if they get a round or two, all of a sudden they get Joe Thornton back. 
that could that could really help them. They they have a mixture of older guys and and young guys, and I think they could surprise. Okay, uh, Eastern Conference. You said Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. You got them going to their third straight cup. It's I a do. lot of hockey, by the way. I know it's a lot of hockey, but they keep they you know look. The end of the day, they have a strong core. They depth. They have depth. They have great goaltending. Actually, for the number one rookie goalie, I voted Tristan Jerry, and Jerry mm. won fourteen games for him this year. Yeah, uh, UC Saros was the next guy on my list, and he had eleven wins. But just think about it: those three extra wins that that he got were probably the difference of them making the playoffs in Florida, not making the playoffs. Yeah, like that, you're right. You know, it could come because that was when their goaltending was in flux this year. He sort of steadied the ship when Murray was having family problems and all those other things that were going on in his life. That's all settled now. So I think yeah. I think they're in good shape. I have no faith in the Caps whatsoever. They lose in the first round. They lose in the first round. Yeah, I think so too. I think they get taken out. I think Columbus They're starting Grubauer as well. Yeah, that's see, I don't I don't like starting Grubauer. I actually like starting Grubauer. Because then if he falters, then Hopi can come in and go in that but save the day. But you can't go back. But you can't go back. Yeah. That's the, that's the problem with mm-hmm. that. I would rather do it the other way. Now, New Jersey, on the other hand, I think they have to go with Keith Kincaid because, yeah. you know, other than Taylor he got Hall, he, he got yeah. him there. Yeah. So, you know, it's like Andrew Hammond. they got to put him in there, let him go in there. If he loses the first game, you pull him out. That's yep. fine. He won't be mad. Nobody's mad. Then you got Corey Schneider, and he would stay in for the rest anyhow. So I think, I think it's different. He's, can the he's, Devils give Tampa Bay a run? They can bring it to seven, but I don't think yeah. they. I don't think they can win that. Get overwhelmed series. eventually. Yeah, I think they'll get overwhelmed eventually. I think. I, look, we're not hearing about Stamkos. I fully expect him to, to be lining up when yeah. when the series starts, and I still don't think their defense is fully where it should be. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think McDonough's Coburn's finally fit in a little bit, but Coburn's getting older. Like they they don't have a great defense, but yeah. I, that's why I think it'll go to seven. All right, who's your uh, sleeper out of the Eastern Conference? My sleeper out of the Eastern Conference. Can, can Toronto do something? I mean, they got they draw a tough matchup with Boston in the first round. Who's that slipped a little bit of late, but still, we know what Boston has been nah, this entire. I, I think Boston's going to get past four Toronto. months. I okay. do. I, I really don't have a sleeper in the East. Like, Columbus, maybe. I mean, I have Colum- Well, all right, I do have Columbus beating Washington in mm. seven. I do. Uh, beyond you hope, that, you know, Pittsburgh Flyers go seven, wears out the Pens, right? And that's Columbus path. But beyond that round, I don't know. I don't know. I see. I in the East, I really don't have a sleeper. I think, I think once Columbus gets to the second round, most likely they're out. I don't think Toronto gets past the first round. Mm-hmm. I. The funny thing is, is this series for the Flyers like they have the worst possible scenario right at the beginning, right? But if they were to get past Pittsburgh, that you ride whole, it, yeah, everything gets turned upside down. Yep. I mean, and, and changes we'll, the whole complexion it changes of the Eastern Conference. Everything. So it wouldn't be like that in the West, but it is like that in the East. I'm really, I'm not a hemming and hawing guy, mm-hmm. but I'm telling you, that's what will happen. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And the other thing too for Columbus, while they have you know wet, you know good defensive players and Seth Jones and Wierenski. Those guys, especially Wierenski, who loves to jump up into the play, yeah. oh, yeah. can haunt you in the playoffs. Yeah, uh, although Torts is, is acting torch-like again when he's he's resting Sonny Milano. He's scratching mm. him. He was like their third or fourth best goal scorer. I don't get it. Like He yeah. wants to go with this rock-solid defensive team, but at the end of the day, you've got to have guys that score goals, and I fully expect Milano to get in there at some point because their goal scoring is just not enough on Columbus. That's the problem. Last question for Russ Cohen at Sportsology on Twitter. On the Stick to Hockey podcast, great Dave Haxtall and his performance this year as the Flyers bench boss. I would give him a B plus. I, mm-hmm. I think there was a little shakiness there for a while on the losing streak, but at the end of the day, he corralled that. He by letting defensemen activate, he's given Ivan Provorov the 
really the best year that we've ever expected for goals, 17 goals, right? Yeah. I mean, that's and, that's and the last two are right at the in the blue paint. Yeah, and and so he's letting him fully pinch. Now it was a problem a couple games ago where he got beat and they lost the game, but he's yep. dealing with that, and that was unlike Haxtell at the beginning. So I think he did a nice job with that. He's done a nice job with Konechny. Konechny's done well. And so he's the, developing the young players. He is developing the young players. I the agree. biggest the biggest change though is, and I heard it on your interview with Claude Giroux. Is Sean Couturier finally had a chance to play with great players? He Skill, had not. Yeah. He had not had a chance to play with these skilled players for his first couple of years, and they had him in the defensive role. Now you can see what he really is, and he's winning faceoffs, and he's a big deal. That is probably as big as anything on the team is having that happen. Yeah, blossoming of uh, yes. Sean Couturier. Russ, thanks for doing it again. Appreciate right, it. At Sportsology, Russ Cohen, give him a follow. Uh, right now, we're going to talk with former Flyer netminder, NHL and NBC analyst. Brian Boucher, what's going on, Boosh? I'm doing good, Jason. How you doing? Are y'all prepared for the next two month run? Because I know you're uh, you get pretty hectic uh, doing the NHL and NBC. Yeah, it's uh, it's a fun time of year. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Uh, you know, if you're a hockey fan, this is what you what you wait around for. And for us, you know, uh, broadcasters, you know, this is exciting for us too. We we wait for our assignments. We uh, we get them, and then we. Hit the road and, uh, and enjoy some some good hockey. So I'm excited. I can't wait. Uh, should be fun how it plays out over the next two months. Now, as a player and a goaltender in the NHL, when you got into the playoffs, you, you know that everything's ratcheted up so much. The intensity uh, is that the one thing you miss about not playing is that feeling of getting into the playoffs and trying to go yeah. on a run. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, this is this is you know what you play for. Uh, you know, there are times during the season where you're. Uh, you know, you're a little tired, and you're like, "Man, I can't believe there's another game tonight." But when you get to the springtime and the weather gets uh, nicer, um, and the, and the focus becomes uh, on hockey uh, from a fan standpoint, I mean, you certainly can feel the energy, especially in a place here like Philadelphia. Uh, you, you look forward to this, and as a as a guy that played, I mean, I, I miss this time of year. It's the uh, it's the most fun most fun time to play, and and you know, anytime you can win a series and shake your opponent's hand is a great feeling. Unfortunately, never won a Stanley Cup, but uh, had some pretty good runs and certainly a uh, time of year that I miss as a player. Well, you're going to be you're covering uh you're going to start out your coverage uh with the NHL and NBC in Nashville and talk about a crazy environment. We saw it last year on their uh glory ride to uh the finals being essentially the 16 seed if you were to see them that way last year. They get all the way to a cup final, ultimately end up losing to Pittsburgh. Uh you're in Nashville to start off. Talk about the home ice advantage uh down there at Bridgestone. It's huge. I mean, this crowd gets so into it and you know, look, Philadelphia is a great building as well when when it gets rocking, you know, with the home crowd, but for whatever reason, Nashville last year and the way that they got in and the way they swept Chicago in that first round and the the buzz that was created in that city, I mean, it was something uh, something special. So uh, I, I can only imagine what it's going to be like on Thursday for game one against Colorado. I think the, you know, the expectations are up in Nashville. I think they made some terrific moves uh, throughout the course of the season. David Poyle did to get this team uh, primed and poised for another long run. Uh, to me, I think they are one of the favorites to to win the Stanley Cup. They're going to have a tough test eventually. I'm I'm predicting that they get by the first round, but eventually to the second round against Winnipeg. Uh, but this is a team that's deep all over the place. I mean, they're deep in the center position. They've got uh, they're deep at the forward position. They got guys that can play wing, that can play center, they can move up and down the lineup. They got probably the best defense core in the National Hockey League. Pekka Rene is a Vezina Trophy. Uh, caliber type goaltender. 
Uh, and if he falters, they've had UC Saros, who was great all year long, too. So this should be a fun a fun spring in, in, in Nashville. Yeah, the other part of that, the recipe for success in the playoffs is to have a great decor, depth at that position, and really good goaltending. And they, they check both of those boxes. Everything. I mean, they, they really, they're going to be scratching a player out of their lineup or two that, you know, you would say, wow, I can't believe they're scratching that guy in the lineup here today. I mean, that's how much depth they have. Uh, I don't know if any other NHL team uh, possesses a decor as deep as theirs. So, uh, and their goalie's been great. He's had no slip in his play at all this year. He's really been fantastic all year. Pecorino has. So, they're a team. They're going to be tough to beat. If you're going to beat these guys, you're going to have to be really good uh, over the course of seven games. Yeah, and of course they swept Chicago last year in the first round. Uh, when you look at the opponent, Nathan McKinnon, obviously he's having a great year. They make the trade to get uh, Matt Duchesne out of there. It kind of turns the team over uh, to McKinnon, if you will, and he rose to the occasion. He's going to be an X factor here as well. He was great this year. I mean, you talk about a turnaround for, for that Colorado Avalanche team, and and what McKinnon was able to do, um, I mean, just a fantastic job. And I don't think anybody saw it coming. Jared Bednar deserves a ton of credit. Joe Sackett deserves a ton of credit for remaining patient uh, in, in in trading Matt Duchesne. Um, and look, I mean, at the end of the day, you need guys to elevate their games, uh, especially when they're budding, you know, elite players. You need them to take that next step uh, in their games, and Nathan McKinnon did that this year. And and Landis Gog played well, and Rantanen has proved to be a, a really good player as well. That top line with Landis Gog, uh, Rantanen, and, and McKinnon is as good a top line as you'll find in the NHL. Now the question for the Avalanche is, you know, is the depth. They don't really have the depth that maybe a lot of other teams do, and that's why a guy like McKinnon really was so valuable to their hockey club. But uh, It'll be interesting to see how this series plays out. I, I don't. I don't think a lot of people are giving the Avalanche uh, a lot of uh, hope in this series, especially with uh, Semyon Barlamov being out uh, and Eric Johnson being out on defense as well. But uh, that's why you play the series, right? You never know what can happen uh, if Bernier gets hot and McKinnon really puts the team on his back. Maybe this could be uh, the upset of the playoffs. Yeah, and Nashville certainly knows that the cautionary tale of a number one seed getting swept last year because. They swept mm-hmm. out the Blackhawks. Uh, in that same bracket, Boosh, uh, you know, you look at Winnipeg and uh, the Minnesota matchup, and this is an interesting one. Winnipeg just seems to be a team that's built for the playoffs. Tremendous depth, big bodies, skilled players, good goaltending. They've got it all as well. Yeah, they really do. And, you know, this is a team that, uh, you know, they took a step back last year. And they really made significant strides this year. And I, I agree with you. Guys like Mark Shifley, uh, Blake Wheeler. I mean, these guys, even Kyle Connor had a fantastic year. And then you got the, you know, the, the big time score in Patrick Line. And they, they, they add Paul Stastny at the trade deadline. This is a team that I think uh, not a lot of people know about them, especially here in the East Coast and the States. Uh, they're kind of forgotten about them. But this is a team that is going to be, uh, Really tough to beat. And Connor Hellebuck has proven to be a legitimate number one goaltender this year. Kind of was supposed to be a competition between he and Steve Mason. It didn't end up being that. Connor Hellebuck was fantastic and goal for him all year long. Uh, to me, this is the marquee second round matchup uh, in the NHL playoffs if it plays out the way it's supposed to play. But they got to get through Minnesota first. And Minnesota, I think, is going to try and um, play a strong defensive game against them. They don't have Ryan Suter. 
Uh, there's been some disappointing, disappointing in Minnesota over the last couple of years here in the playoffs. But, um, you know, look, if Minnesota can keep the game tight, not get into a, not get into a track meet against a team like Winnipeg, I think they, they have a chance. But there's just so many horses on this Winnipeg team. I, I can't see how they don't get past Minnesota. T- tell me what it's like to have a shot taken at you from a guy like Patrick Line. You face some elite snipers in your time in the NHL as a goaltender. His release is as filthy as they come. It really is. And, look, he's got a long reach. Um, he doesn't look like the, the most dynamic of skaters, but when he shoots the puck, I mean, he's a guy that you have to be on your toes at all times. And, you know, much like, you know, Ovechkin in that sense where you know that's his best attribute, and although you may try and take it away, he finds ways to get himself in positions to get that shot off. and He's not afraid to shoot it from far from the net either. No, and that's the thing. I mean, like, you got keep guys on their toes all the time and, and shoot. You know, the more pucks you shoot, obviously, uh, you know, the better chance you have to score. And I think for, for Line, he's a guy that's uh, had a knack for scoring goals, even as a, as a junior player in Finland and, and, and playing over there. And He's continued at the NHL level, so they're going to have to find ways to shut him down. It's going to be tough. I mean, that Winnipeg team, he's not the only weapon that they have on that team, but uh, certainly with a guy that has a shot like that, you're going to pay special attention to him. Yeah, Dubnik's got his work cut out for him there in Minnesota. Uh, Staying stay in that Western Conference real quick, LA's a team won a couple of cups. Uh, they're back in the dance here in the playoffs, and they draw Vegas, which is going to be a very interesting environment uh, in the first round. Obviously, Vegas, the one of the great storylines of this 2017-18 season. Uh, but you draw L.A., that's not really a great draw for Vegas, in my estimation, considering Drew Doughty, Andre Kopitar, Jeff Carter being back, and, of course, backstopping them, Jonathan Quick, who's been down this road many times before. Is this a tough out for uh, for, for Vegas to deal with uh, the Los Angeles Kings? I, yeah, I think it is. I agree with you. Everything that you just said, I mean, Kopitar has been great all year long. Carter, um, in a lot of ways, being hurt. You know, for as long as he was, I mean, this is a fresh body coming back into the lineup for them. Uh, Dustin Brown has been really good for him. I mean, this is a guy that if you look at, you know, the type of hockey you want to play in the playoffs, Dustin Brown's that type of guy you want as well. And you talked about Dowdy. Quick's been fantastic. And these guys have been there before. I mean, the core of the L.A. Kings, they've been through this uh, in the past. And, um, you know, I think it's going to be it's going to be tough. They, they're stingy defensively. They don't give up much. Uh, the L.A. Kings do so. For the Vegas Golden Knights, I mean, it may have been a nice ride in the regular season where they were able to put up a, a ton of offense and play that fast-paced game, but I suspect the LA Kings are going to pre-scout this pretty darn well and find ways to, to slow them down and really get them to play in the mud a little bit. If, if the Kings can do that, I think um, it's going to be a long series for the Vegas Golden Knights, but... Uh, having said that, it's hard to discredit what they've done all year long in, in Vegas. And what Gerard yeah, just proving everybody wrong. Do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you ride this wave of confidence. You don't want the season to end uh, because you don't know to start up the next season if it's going to be much like it is this year. So uh, for Vegas, you know, certainly they go in there. I don't think they have any pressure. I mean, I don't think anybody expects them really to go all that deep. They just continue to play, have fun. Um, and, and and get great play out of the guys that have carried them all year long and, and see if they can beat a, a tough defensive team like, like L.A. When you look over at the Eastern Conference, uh, an original six matchup, the Boston Bruins, a little slippage lately uh, in their game after being so hot for so long under Bruce Cassidy, and they draw the Toronto Maple Leafs. This is a really intriguing matchup to me 
because uh, the Leafs, when Matt, you know, when their key players, Austin Matthews, are healthy, and you've seen Marner be really good at points this season, and obviously Freddie Anderson, this is going to be a real intriguing matchup in the East. Yeah, it really is. Uh, Boston, to me, uh, I've been really impressed with them and the way that they've played all year. And they've got this, they've got grit. I mean, they've got skill. They've got experience. They've got some young guys in the mix now that have added to their speed of their hockey club. Um, they're 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 a top notch opponent. But the the Toronto Maple Leafs too. I mean, like you said, when Austin Matthews and he finished the year strong. I forgot how many points he had uh, in the last ten games, but it was more than a point per game. When he's going and he's healthy, uh, he's a dominant player. And I think he's healthy right now. And I think that's going to be. Uh, a tough task for the Boston Bruins. Um, Nazem Kadri is a great shutdown centerman. He plays against the other team's best players. Uh, Marlowe's a guy that wants to prove that he's still got a lot of gas left in the tank. And Freddie Anderson's been great all year. I think this is going to be a really good series in the East. I think it's going to be a long series. But I really like the Boston Bruins. I mean, I really do. I just think because of the experience that they have, kind of like a lot what I said about L.A., you know, a lot of those guys have been there before. Uh, and they've they've really, you know, made – significant strides this year maybe in a way that nashville did last year when they got in the playoffs they really surprised a lot of people i think the bruins surprised a lot of people in the regular season this year and put themselves in a position where they really are uh, legitimate contenders for the cup this year yeah and like nashville they have the goaltending they have a, a, a big huge defenseman in chara you got the uh mm-hmm. the guy that's the total pain in the rear end marchand bergeron and like you said, Ryan Donato, I mean, they're a good team, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch that series. Uh, Columbus and, and, and the Capitals, very interesting series here because let's kind of look at the goaltending matchup here. Sergei Bobrovsky, we know how good he's been in regular seasons. Uh, but in the playoffs, and he always draws the Penguins, so that's tough. Uh, but an 887 yeah. uh, save percentage. And then on the Capitals side, they're not going Hopi. They're going with Philip Grubauer here. And, and I, I think that's the right call by Barry Trotz. Um you know, I, I thought about this a lot, and with you know, with Braden Holtby and in the, in, in the way that he's played this year, something was off in his game. Uh, he wasn't the same Braden Holtby that we've seen in the past. I don't know if he's you know battling injury or whatnot. We'll find that out when the season ends. But for um, you know, for Holtby, he just hasn't been the same guy that we've seen in the last couple of years. And and Grubauer has been great. So to me, if you start Holtby in that series. And he falters, and you got to pull him. Oh, he's done you know, then. Out of that yeah. series, yeah. Then, then you're dealing with a confidence issue going forward. So, to me, you tell Braden Holtby, be a pro, be ready. Uh, we've seen in the playoffs in the past, other teams like Pittsburgh go to goaltenders in the playoffs where you got to use both guys. You know, our suspicion is that Grubauer, you know, he's going to play well for us, but you know, he doesn't have a, as, as long a track record as some other goaltenders. He could very well falter, and we're going to turn to you, and we're going to need you to be ready to go. And I think that'll be the time where Holtby can kind of step in and almost be a savior-like in that situation, as opposed to being the starter who faltered, and now they got to go back to Grubauer, and now you get a lot of question marks. I think it's a smart play by, by Barry Trotz to do it this way. And on top of it, Grubauer has been the better goaltender here uh, lately. So you're, you're actually playing your better goaltender uh, currently. So I think that's a good move. As for Bobrovsky, um, look, I mean, he's got he, he's got a lot to prove in the sense that he's got to take a, a step in the playoffs. As we've seen a lot of goaltenders in the NHL be great regular season goalies uh, and then have struggles when it comes to the playoffs. And he's a guy that 
Uh, I think he's an elite goaltender. I think he's a top five net miner in the National Hockey League. And I thought that when he played for the Philadelphia Flyers when I played with him, I thought this guy was going to be special. But now's the time for him to take uh, the next step. And I think this is a good matchup for him in Washington. They do have some firepower. Um, but the one, one concern I have about Washington is that guys like you know, Kuznetsov and guys like Backstrom and Burakovsky and Verana, these types of players, will they get in the inside in the playoffs? You know, we know they're, they're talented players, especially Kuznetsov and Backstrom. You know, but are they willing to pay the price to win that 50-50 puck, to win the battle, to get their nose dirty, to get that ugly goal? We know Ovechkin can shoot the puck on the power play. We got that. But what in the playoffs, what wins is about – you know, going that extra mile to, 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 to win a battle, to win a game. And I don't know if the Washington Capitals necessarily have that. I think it's a good matchup for the Columbus Blue Jackets for, for Sergei Bobrovsky to kind of get through a series and then kind of, you know, gain confidence from that and see how long you can ride that, that confidence wave in the second round. Yeah, and settle in. Oftentimes in the playoffs, the difference is those little things. It's the nuance. You know, winning key faceoffs in, in your defensive yeah. zone or offense, those things are all huge. Uh, last series we'll take a look at is the Philadelphia Flyers taking on the two-time defending Stanley Cup champion Pittsburgh Penguins. And so many intriguing angles to this. You were a part of a lot of this rivalry between the Flyers and the Penguins. Uh, you know what it's like. Uh, does that rivalry factor help uh, even the playing field at all? Uh, I, I think guys know that it's a, it's a big rivalry. I mean, faces change from year to year, so... Um... You know, not everybody's going to remember 2012 was the last time they, they played, I believe. Uh, you know, they're, they're, you guys don't necessarily always play that as a factor. But once once the puck drops and you feel that energy uh, and, and, you know, the hatred begins in the series, you know, the, the, the skirmishes after the whistle, uh, the trash talk that goes on, uh, you, you get you get engaged pretty quickly. Um, and, and I think... Uh, for the Flyers, this is a, a big test for them. When you play back-to-back Stanley Cup champions, you know that uh, they're right in front of you. I mean, if you can take these guys down, that this is going to be a huge accomplishment. We talked about gaining confidence, series to series, shift to shift. This is one where the Flyers, if they can go in there and kind of punch them right in the nose, I think, you know, metaphorically speaking, uh, early on in this series, maybe steal a game in Pittsburgh, that can go a long way in rattling the cages of the defending Stanley Cup champions. They have not been all that good on the road this year, and it'll be interesting to see if they can turn that tide in the playoffs. But for the Flyers, I think it'll be critical for them to get in there and get either game one or two. Yeah, I mean, that's the best chance to steal and maybe that game one really jump on them. Matt Murray is a guy, uh, since coming back from the concussion, hasn't been very good. He finishes the season with a 906 save percentage and a 292 goals against average. Actually, Brian Elliott's numbers this season, uh, from that standpoint, Bush, better than Matt Murray. Uh, they're still going to have to put a lot of traffic around the young netminder, aren't they? They are. They're going to have to get to him. I think, uh, look, if they can get to, to, to Matt Murray and make it uncomfortable for him to find pucks, uh, second-chance opportunities, uh, but but if nothing else, just kind of really get him uncomfortable in that crease. Get him, you know, having a fight to find pucks and, and making a, a, a difficult night for him uh, early on in this series. It can go a long way. I, the one thing Murray does not have that he had in the last two years is Marc-Andre Fleury to bail him out in a situation where either he gets injured or there's poor play. I think if Matt Murray comes out of this series, then I think the Flyers um, should be able to win this series easily. Um, now, having said that, I, I'm sure the Pittsburgh Penguins are looking at it in that fashion as well with Brian Elliott. 
How's his health? Is he a hundred percent? Is he, you know, how is he going to play? I mean, he, he's still trying to shake off some rust, even though we did get a shutout in that last game against the Rangers. It's not like he had a ton of work. Um, yeah, that was so a rocking chair are, ride shutout. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's a, a question mark for the Flyers as well to a degree. Um, but if I'm, I'm just focusing on the Flyers, I think it's about them initiating the play. And I think the biggest key for the Flyers in this series is going to be staying out of the box because Pittsburgh's power play really is lethal. The Flyers have to play five-on-five five against them. The Flyers are a good five-on-five five club. They're good on the power play as well. They're not statistically as um, um, you know mind-numbing as the Pittsburgh Penguins are, but that's a very good power play that the Philadelphia Flyers roll out there uh, with the first unit that is capable of stealing a hockey game for you. So but play five-on-five, five, stay out of the box. Don't get caught up in uh, the theatrics of the series. Just go out there, initiate, try to make it a difficult night for Sidney Crosby, for Evgeny Malkin for Phil Kessel, for Chris Letang, and try to get to Matt Murray. If you do that, and like you said, if you can steal game one, I mean, that goes a long way in uh, in, in building confidence inside that locker room. All of a sudden, there becomes a belief uh, in that flyer room that maybe uh, they can do this. And if, you know, if you take two on the road, I mean, oh, now you're, yeah. you're in really good shape. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, like one, one at a time, and don't forget, the flyer, I mean, the Penguins are a team that, is battle-tested when it comes to the playoffs. They know how to deal with adversity. They've won back-to-back uh, championships. you got to respect that. So it's going to take your A game uh, to get to these guys. Last question for you, Boosh. Uh, can Carey Price get his game back? It's not a playoff question. But clearly he looked like a, a lost at sea at times this year from a tracking the puck standpoint physically. Uh, that deal kicks in next year at 10 mil plus, uh, eight-year deal with the uh, Montreal Canadiens. Uh, is this going to be a deal that haunts them for a long time? Anytime you pay, pay a goaltender uh, that much uh, or that portion of your cap, I think it's always a risky play. Uh, and, and aging goaltenders, I think, are always ones that you have to be wary about. And he's dealt with some injuries. They knew these injuries that he had in the past with the knee. So um, for Carey Price, I'm confident that he can be uh, a top goaltender in the league once again. I think, you know, he just looked dis- disinterested at times. And, and how could you not be? I mean, uh, yeah. you know, you have a team that doesn't really have a number one center. Uh, you lose your top defenseman. Uh, these guys know this in the locker room. Now, you know, as a, as, a, as a player, you're supposed to bring it every single night. That's not your job to worry about uh, player personnel. Decisions. It's human nature, though, right? Right, it is. And what I'm saying is I'm giving them a pass, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And if, if Mark Bergevin can do his part, and retool this team on the fly, get a number one center, get a number two center. How about that? I mean, yeah. get two centers. You know, get Tavares. And, and really, yeah. yeah. And surround and surround, you know, a guy like Carey Price with some talented players, Shea Weber as well. Uh, surround these guys. And what do you do with Pacioretty? I mean, do you want to over do you want to pay big time money? Not that Pacioretty is at a big time price right now, but wingers to me are not your most important players on the team. You what you build through defense, you build through goaltending, you build through the middle uh, of your lineup. And I think uh, that's where the, 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 the Canadians miss on the defense part and they miss on the centerman part, and that's why they haven't been as good as they need to be. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The other thing, left-wingers that can score 30-plus goals are a luxury, not uh, a necessity, if you will. Yeah, I mean, look, you love, you love having those guys. Yeah, sure. To me, that, you know, look, I mean, if you've got to move a 30-goal left-winger, 
for the sake of getting, you know, a number two center or, you know, in a prospect. I mean, you got to think about doing that because you want to, you look at the best teams in the National Hockey League, they're all strong down the middle, yep. you know, and you got to, you have to have it. If you don't have good centermen in this league, uh, you have no chance. Yeah, you're dead team walking. Boosh, we appreciate the time, man. Good, good luck with the playoff run. Enjoy Nashville. Uh, tell Carrie Underwood I said hello and uh, have a great time <laughs> throughout the playoff run. We'll be talking to you soon. All right, Jason. Take care.